Don't worry. Are you all well? Yay. Well done. If uh, you were here last week, it's always a good sign when people come back for more. So that's fantastic. Welcome back. We're thrilled you're here. If uh, you were not here last week, we uh, just want to let you know that the, uh, the message from last week is actually on uh, the Nary Warren Baptist Church website at nwbc.net.au. And we do encourage you to get on there and to listen to last week's message because we are in the midst of a uh, series called Oceans and we are looking at how to brave life's storms. And so it is a four-part series and uh, each week is incomplete, hopefully helpful, but incomplete without the four parts of the series. So um, if you haven't heard it, get on there and give it a whirl. As we uh, unpack this series, I said last week and I'll say it again, I really do encourage you to come with pen and paper or a writing device each week because um, we're covering some stuff that's um, heavy on content, but um, as we cover it, you will think and you will consider and reflect on various experiences in your world that you might think, you know what, I could apply that to that situation. But if you're anything like me, you'll go home and you'll go, now I had a grand idea or two or three, what were they? No idea. And so write it down because this is a series and this is, I guess, a whole content of stuff where unless we apply it, we'll get nothing out of it. Yeah. And so um, I was looking through my uh, drawers the other day and I came across this product. Has anyone heard of Garcinia Cambodia? A few of you have. <laughs> we won't judge you for that. But uh, Garcinia Cambodia is this, um, it's their pills. And uh, my, one of my cousins and I um, had this grand idea. We were both pregnant at the, uh, at the same time and had our last babies together. And um, this was all the rage at some point. This was like Oprah was all over it. Dr. Phil was all over it. You know, the morning show was all over it. And it's basically a take a tablet Half an hour before every meal, guzzle it down with lots of water and in 21 days, you will lose belly fat. And we're like, oh my gosh, awesome idea. Belly baby, gone. And so we bought this and um, it's still sealed because I think when it arrived from the States before it was available in Australia, I think I must have gone, <laughs> really? <laughs> stop it, Susie, stop it. So for all of you thinking that I'm really vain and uh, that I should probably sit down right about now... Um, it is sealed, and so if anyone wants to buy it from me after the service, I can give it to you at a reduced price of maybe $130 or something like that. But the reason why I found this and I'm like, oh my gosh, is because when I looked at this, it reminded me of the fact that not only I, but all of us go through life and we love quick fixes, right? Because you see, the other option was going to the gym, the other option was eating well, the other option was exercising, but these were just way more enticing and way easier because I didn't need to do much. And often we go through life with the same attitude. We go, what's the quick fix? And I want to tell you one thing. We love that you're here today. But just because you're here today and just because you sit through four sessions of my boring voice does not mean that you are going to be able to successfully brave the storms of life if you do nothing with the content that's delivered. Because you see, every time we hear something, we need to do something with it. And for fear of sounding like I love the sound of my own voice, <laughs> I will dare say that it would be in your best interest 
because we love you and we want to see you thrive and flourish in this area of emotional resilience, it would be a really, really good idea to get online and to hear this message again and again and again. And I hope that doesn't give you nightmares, <laughs> but I hope it really helps you because you see, if we're going to do something with this information, we need to take it, we need to let it sink in and we need to go, what am I going to do with that? And so I urge you, because I know one thing about you, and that's this, you want to brave the storms of life well. Because you see, the opposite of braving the storms of life well is when life throws a curveball or when things get tough, we want to run and hide under the doona, we feel helpless, we feel like we're sinking underwater, we feel like we want to hide in a corner, we don't want to socialise, we just want to cry, we just want to you know, someone tell me when this is all over and I'll come back out. And I know that you don't want that. And I know that that's a really hard place to do life because one thing that we all know is that the only predictable thing about life is that life is unpredictable. You know that and I know that. And so last uh, week, we had a look at our first deposit in this series. Like I said, it's a four-part deposit. And up on the screen in just a moment, you'll see the four weeks um, that we're going to cover. The first one that we did last week is redefining our values. And uh, last week, we had a look at the fact that you and I have values in our world. You and I have a GPS system on the inside, which is our values, that determines what we do in any given situation. We also looked at the fact that those values actually determine our expectations in life how things ought to be, how things ought to work out, how people need to treat us, and all of that. And the difference between our expectations and our reality, what we expect and how things actually pan out, is the area or the space where we experience our meltdowns. We also looked at the fact that many well-meaning people, when they find themselves in a storm of life, ask the very sensible question of what shall I do differently here? And we said that, you know what? that's actually not the best question to ask, nor is it the best place to start. Because what to do differently needs to be subjective to what's actually driving me, and that's why I need to go back to my value system and go, what is operating underneath all of this? What's causing my storm? And you see, often you and I, when we go back to our values, we realise that we don't really agree with the values that are driving our world. And so that's last week. This week, however, <clears throat> we're looking at our second key, and that is reprogramming our thinking. Because you see, our value system triggers or flows into or often determines the way that we think. And the way that we think often flows into and determines our emotions. Because you see, if I think that I'm stupid, I will feel stupid, correct? If I think that I am unwanted and rejected, in my family or with a group of people, then I will feel isolated, alone, intimidated, all of those things. And then we look at those three things and then finally in week four, we're going to have a look at readjusting our behaviour. We're going to look at, when we look at all those things put together, then what can we do? What can we do then when life throws a storm our way? And so like I said earlier, emotional resilience and being strong in the face of life storms is not about never having a meltdown. It's not about never having a cry. It's not about never feeling it and, and going, whoa, that hurts. 
It's about feeling all of those things, having the cry, doing what you want to do, but getting straight back up and going, I've got what it takes to do this, to keep going. Yeah, you know what? I hid under the doona for half an hour, but I'm done with that. I'm off and I'm going and I've got more in me. And that's what we want for you. So today we're looking at our thought patterns. And when we talk about our thought patterns, we've just said that our thoughts actually trigger our emotions and have so much to do with our emotional state. When we talk about our thought patterns, we're talking about what goes on between our ears, inside our head. And our thoughts determine the way that we handle life storms. The way that we think is directly related with the way that we handle life storms. You think about it. Two people going through the same situation and you can actually watch the same situation unfolding and yet two people can have two very different responses to that storm. Isn't that right? And so up on the screen, you'll see that it says the way that we think about our situation and the way that we interpret a situation is determined by our neurological pathways. That means our default settings. That means what we do intuitively and instinctively without even having to think. And that then determines how we deal with that situation and how we brave that storm. You know, when we talk about this topic, it's really important for us to understand that this is a topic very, very near to the heart of God. And whether you are a Christian, whether you are not, whether you've been in church all your life or for a little bit of time or never before, it's really important for us to know that God is interested in what goes on in our thinking. There's a verse from the Bible up there, Romans 12, 2, that says this, but be transformed and progressively changed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. It is on God's radar. It is God's plan for our life to renew our thinking. And that is why we are covering today as well. You know, picture with me, you've moved into a new area, new estate, and there's a big, massive parkland that's just been built across the street. There's lots of swings, slides, whatever you want, lots of lush green grass, and then there's a pathway. So the council's built a pathway, you hop out of your car, you walk down the path, and you find yourself at the swings. Except everybody turns up to this park and people have generally gone, oh, well, that's sort of the long way. And so everyone has started walking another path, walking over the grass to the slides. What happens over the course of time as people begin to walk a new path? A new path is created in the ground, right? Yeah? There's a new pathway. And that is exactly what happens in our brain. That's exactly what happens in my brain and your brain. The more that we reinforce a thought over and over and over again, the more that we actually embed a pathway to the point where we actually don't need to think too hard about what to do in any situation because our brain goes, great, I know what to do there. Let me take you down the default path. Does that make sense? Let me explain it to you like this. Some years back, we uh, were catching up with some friends and so um, it was just a public venue that we were all getting together. And so we arrived and we parked the car and we get out of the car and, um, and I hop out of the car and um, I look over to my side, just as I've hopped out, and um, there's a massive dog over there. And I see this dog, and I'm just like, right. 
And then everything within me just starts to go, Susie, you're scared of dogs. You're scared of dogs. Run for your life. You're scared of dogs. And I'm looking at this dog, and to me, it looks like he's making eye contact with me. To me, my life is at risk. And so I just do everything within my default wiring, and I jump back into the car, and I jump in the car, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking in the rearview mirror. Just I've got my eye on this dog, and I'm watching, 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 because when he goes by, then I can come back out, right, because life's safe again. And I'm watching, 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 and then I notice my husband, Peter, and this other woman that I don't know, like a total stranger, and they're like staring at me with this gobsmacked face, just going, and I'm thinking, I remember the first thought that landed in my head was, well, I'm really sorry that you guys are not scared of dogs, and I am. And then I sort of like came back to my senses, you know when you like come back to earth? And I noticed that I was sitting in this woman's car. (laughs) You can laugh, right? But you do the same thing when life hits a storm and you don't know what to do but just the same old thing and you run for safety. (laughs) So don't laugh too hard at me. (laughs) But you see, we all do that. Because the reason why I did that is because when I was three years old, I was attacked by a dog. We just moved into a new suburb and um, lots of little kids in the area. And I remember I was riding my bike one afternoon and um, one of the neighbour's dogs actually jumped out, grabbed me by the ankles, wouldn't let me go. I fell off my bike into this massive prickle bush And I, till today, all these years later, remember standing in the bathtub with my mum running water and holding a pair of tweezers and pulling out prickles from my body before we went to emergency where I needed some tetanus shots and whatnot. Now, that sat in my pathways, in my mental pathways, in my head for many, many, many years. And so all my brain knew to do in the face of seeing a dog was just to run for my life. And that's what happens in my head and your head. Our brain sets a pathway, it has a thought process, it has a a preferred route that it goes down, and every time something happens, it just takes us down that preferred route. Now, I don't know what your natural inkling is when life throws a storm at you. Some of us are optimists, some of us are pessimists, some of us are glass half full people, some of us are glass half empty people. Some of us are people who find it really natural to find the good in a situation where, you know, we can, we're just always like, you know, oh, I could rattle off 50 good things about that. That was fantastic. And someone goes, well, do you have any constructive feedback? And we go, yeah, hang on, wait, let me think. Yeah, um, yeah, well, this and that could have been different, whereas other people are the complete opposite. And they'll rattle off a list of 90 things that went wrong and then you have to go, well, was there anything good? And I go, um, hang on, let me think. Yeah, well, I guess I don't know what comes naturally to you. I know for myself, I'm a bit of an optimist and um, we laugh about it because if we're on a, at an event and, you know, there's some, something going on and, you know, there's support this or support that and I'll often buy a raffle ticket and I will literally, when the person gets up to announce the winner, I'm like expecting them to call my name. Like I'm just, they're like, and the winner is, and I'm like, Susie Watros. I can like hear it before they say it. And if I don't win, I'm like really surprised about that. <laughs> But then there's other people and it might be, you know, and the winner is and someone's name gets called out and they're like, oh my gosh, did I just say my name? Is it? Oh my gosh, did I just win? I never win anything. Was that me? You see, we're all really, really different and we all have a different wiring and a different tendency. But what I want to tell you with all of that is this, emotional resilience is irrelevant to your character. Emotional resilience is not a character trait. It is a skill that you can learn and a skill that I can learn 
For some of us who are a little bit more optimistic, you know what? It's a fraction easier. But it's doable and it's possible and with practice, you will transform yourself into a person who has constructive, helpful thinking patterns and someone who, who, who is capable of building helpful, constructive and positive thought patterns. And so, I want to give us some examples of some different thinking patterns. I'm going to walk us through a few and I want you to, eyes open, ears open, take a snapshot of the screen. I don't care what you do, but do something to look at this and work out who you are in the scheme of these things. Before I unpack those, I think it's probably really important for us to understand that we have different voices playing out in our head all the time. That self-talk, that mental dialogue. We have different voices competing for attention. It's a bit like when you turn the radio on and it's untuned, yeah, and you can hear the crossover between two different radio stations. Well, we've got hundreds of radio stations going on in our head, all competing for our attention. But to categorise those, if you like, we've got our own voice, our own self-talk that talks to us. We've also got the voice of experience, the voice that says, well, you failed at that last time, what's going to be different this time? You didn't do that very well last time. Obviously, they, don't, they didn't like you last time. What's going to make them like you this time? The voice of other people. And what I want to emphasize here is that the voice of other people doesn't necessarily need to be their verbal spoken voice. It might actually be their voice of body language, where we observe someone's body language to mean something or to speak to us in a certain way, and that voice might be playing in our ears. I remember... Um, when I was, I think I might have been 25 or something like that, and uh, just starting up a women's ministry at our church. And um, I had this, <clears throat> I had lots of great ideas. I had lots of ideas buzzing in my head, and it was all new to me. And I was like, you know, ready to, you know, tackle the world. And I remember one particular Sunday, it was uh, an opportunity to actually get up and speak about what I was going to do and the plans that I had and, and whatnot. So I got up there and I presented my thing and I did a bit of recruitment, you know, recruitment spiel and who wants to jump on board and whatnot. And at the end of the service, I remember one of the girls, who was only probably two or three years older than me, came up to me and she said, oh, hey, Susie, you know, so excited about, you know, what's going on. You've got some really great ideas. It's all terrific. But I was just thinking, don't take this in the wrong way, but I was just thinking, you know, like, um, <clears throat> if you ever get a guest speaker to come and speak at any of the women's events, um, maybe it's a good idea if actually that's not you because um, it would be a really, really good idea if um, that person was someone older with some more life experience and some more substance. And um, other than wanting to knock her out, <laughs> I cried a lot. And um, I heard her voice in my ears for, I kid you not, probably two years. Every time I held a microphone, I heard that voice in my ears. And so often, we need to pay attention to the voices going on in our head. And for those of you who would call yourself Christians, <clears throat> the voice of God, that's a very powerful voice going on in our head as well. And also the voice of the enemy, he tries to compete for our attention too. But having said that, I want to walk us through some different, um, <clears throat> some different thinking patterns. The first one, and I want you to identify where you fit most. Where do you gravitate to? When a storm throws at you or when something goes wrong in your world, where do you most gravitate? Where are your tendencies? The first one is the comparative thought pattern. And the comparative thought pattern, let's just say, for example, 
um, <clears throat> you've studied really hard at uni and, um, you know, you thought you did really well, you get your results back and you've done pretty ordinary and it means a lot to you because actually you needed to get a certain standard in order to move on and do something else that you got your heart set on and someone else who you don't think studied so hard got better than you the comparative thought pattern will be, that always happens to me. I always do my best. I always do what I need to do. I'm so disciplined. I do all the right things. But you know what? Never works out for me. But that person, how come they always get it easy? How come life's just, you know, full of roses and rainbows for them? Or how about the black and white thought pattern? You see, this is the thought pattern that's very extremist, that's very tunnel visioned. The thought pattern that's either yes or no, black or white. It's good or it's bad. No grey, no nothing in between. It's that this is how it is. It's the bad day equals bad life. One thing going wrong means everything's going wrong. Or maybe the hypothetical thought pattern. Let's just say that someone in your world, a friend or a child or a parent or whatever it might be, has just received some hurtful words from someone or that they're being bullied by someone and your heart is aching for them. And in that place where you just get so, so wound up in that ache and that pain for that person, you slip into hypothetical thought patterns and you begin to say things like, what if the bullies never stop? What if like, you know, what if they just attract this all their life and you know what, they are a bit weak and they don't stand up for themselves and what about if they go through all of life just, you know, where people would just think it's okay to throw these mean and nasty comments at them? And what about if they take those words into their life and it affects them forever? And we, we just sort of like go. And we make up stories, really big stories, all the what-ifs in the world. Incidentally, do you actually know that your brain, neurologically speaking, does not know how to distinguish between hypothetical thoughts and factual real-life thoughts? Do you know that? Do you know that when you tell your brain, what if this never improves all it hears is never improves. And it acts as though that is the factual information that you are giving it. Whereas you've said, what if this never improves? And you're wondering why you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm not coping. This is so heavy. This is weighing me down so badly. Because your brain is telling you that things are never going to improve. Because it doesn't understand fact versus fiction. Hypothetical equals fact to your brain. Whereas we go, oh my brain, 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 so scientific. I can't even understand my brain. Well, guess what? Your brain does what you tell it to do. Your brain functions based on how you tell it to function. And so if it understood that you really, really meant what if things don't improve, it might give you some feelings and some disturbing and uncomfortable emotions that are a little bit uptight. But far out, when you tell it that things will never improve, it's going to give you panic and anxiety and fear and, and trepidation. And you're like, oh my gosh, what now? And so we've got to watch these hypothetical what-if scenarios in our life. How about the defeated thought pattern? <clears throat> the one that's constantly saying, well, I'm just never good enough. This always happens to me. Life's so unfair. Just can't get on top of this. Or how about the catastrophizing thought pattern? Let's just say you're in a situation that hasn't actually been going very well for a number of years. The catastrophizing thought pattern would generally be one that just goes, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I've been in this rut for two years. Like seriously, I can't do this for another two years. It doesn't look like anything's going to change. It's the catastrophe scale of 100 all the time. 
And then finally, the shame and blame thought pattern. Do any of these sound familiar to you? The one that says, it's all my fault, I'm so stupid, or it's all their fault, and completely pull away from any ownership, any of this could have anything to do with me, I'm always right, it's all their fault. Which one do you gravitate towards naturally? You see, it's not hard to realise that if we function in any of these categories, it's going to be very difficult for us to actually brace the storms of life with any form of resilience whatsoever, right? Yeah? Can you see the connection? It's clear to me, but can you see the connection? If we function like this, it is impossible for us to brave the storms of life well. But you know, that's not to say that you're unusual. You're completely normal. And this has been a pattern that the human race has functioned in for many, many, many centuries. And it's because our thinking patterns are not always factual. You see, there's a scenario in the Bible, a situation that unfolded, and I want to pick that up from um, a book called The Book of Numbers in the Old Testament. And we're looking at the Israelites. These were a group of people, the Israelites were a group of people who were in slavery for 400 years. So they were slaves for 400 years and they were led by Moses. And so Moses had this grand idea that he was going to free them from slavery and that he was going to send them out of Egypt, send them off to the promised land. But he had this really good idea that he was going to try a bit of a try before you buy set up. So he was going to send out 12 of them and they were going to suss it all out and they were going to come back and they were going to go yay or nay and they would work out what to do from there. So he sends out 12, and for those of you who have ever read the story before, you may know it or it might sound familiar to you as the 12 spies. He sends out 12, and I want to pick out the story from the point where the 12 go, suss out this promised land, and then they come back and report on what they have found, yeah? So we're picking it up right here at verse 25, and it says this. 40 days later, they came back from exploring the land. They came back to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. They gave their report and showed them the fruit from the land. This is what they reported to Moses. They said, we went to the land where you sent us. It really is a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's some of its fruit. But the people who live there are strong. And the cities have walls and they're very large. Caleb told the people to be quiet and listen to Moses. And Caleb said, let's go now and take possession of the land. So Caleb was one of the other guys who went with them. His colleagues had given one report and then he pounces up after all the negative reports they've given and he goes, let's go now and take possession of the land. We should be more than able to conquer it. But the men who had gone with him said, no, we can't attack these people. They are too strong for us, Caleb. So they began to spread lies among the Israelites about the land they have explored, trying to talk them out of it. They said, the land we explored is one that devours those who live there. All the people we saw there are very tall. How frightening. (laughs) We saw Nephilim there. We felt as small as grasshoppers and that's how we must have looked to them. Twelve people go out, ten come back with one report, two come back with another. They've experienced the same situation but they saw it and interpreted it very differently. Ten were like, oh my gosh, they're freaky, they're way too tall, they're a bit mean and you know what, they saw us as grasshoppers. And the others were like, grasshoppers? Where did they come up with that from? I saw no grasshoppers. What are they on about? That's fantastic. Hey, let's go back there. And so you see resilient people are people who interpret their situations based on fact. 
not tuning in to falsities and feelings and hypotheticals. And so, I want to help us work out what to do <laughs> in order to reprogram our thinking patterns. And I've got a 3C model for today. One, catch it. Two, change it. And three, create it. And I want to walk through each of those very quickly, but individually. Firstly, catch it. <clears throat> Hands up if you've ever heard of the term metacognition. A few of you from this morning. <laughs> metacognition sounds like a fancy word, but it's a very simple definition that means the art of thinking about your thinking. The art of thinking about your thinking. That means tuning into yourself talk. Yeah? You know how you can hop in a car and drive somewhere, a familiar route that you sort of, you know, go to regularly, like maybe, you know, you come here every Sunday, you hop in the car, you drive and you get here. And then you get there and you go, did I take the freeway or did I go the back, or did I go the back streets? You know that feeling because your mind just went with default thinking. It's about tuning in to your self-talk and your self-dialogues. And that's the first thing that we need to do, quite simply. To reprogram our thinking patterns, we need to catch it. We need to tune in and listen to that self-talk. Secondly, we need to change it. <laughs> we need to change it. We need to work out what's not helpful, what's feeding our brain with lies and interpretations and perceptions that are not helpful and not factual, and we need to change that. We're going to look at reprogramming the negative statements that we're going to make. We're then going to look at reprogramming the negative interpretations that we make. And so firstly, some negative statements. How about these? Have you ever caught yourself saying any of these? I will never succeed in my career. I will never succeed in holding a relationship down. They will never trust me again. I will never get over this. Or they don't really love me. You see, I'm guilty of some of these sometimes too. <clears throat> and what we need to do is we need to catch that self-talk that lies to us. And we need to question it. And we need to go, really? Are you lying to me again? What do you mean I'll never hold down a relationship or a friendship? And then I might answer that question quite boldly and I might go, well, because, you know, those last two friendships or relationships, they never ended well. Great. So where does never come into play? But you see, we can only think about and change our thinking patterns when we recognise what they actually are to start with, right? Because, you see, I didn't, too, I didn't do too well at two relationships in the past or I lost a job in the past does not equate to I will never, ever succeed at those things ever again. And so we need to catch ourselves and change those phrases and those sentences. Because every time we change that sentence and we refuse to go with the old thinking pattern, what do we do? We walk down that pathway again and we create new pathways. We make sure that the tread in the ground is deeper and deeper and deeper in line with a new preferred way of thinking. And so when my brain says, you can never do that, or you can never hold a friendship down because you never have in the past. I need to go, no, you know what? I haven't had a good experience on that front in the past, but I've learned from that. And I'm going into this friendship with some very different ideas and I'm planning that we'll be successful. And so you challenge your own brain and you insert and deposit new thinking patterns. It could quite simply just be stopping and going, Hey, brain, you're lying to me again. It's that defeated narrative you're giving me again. 
but it's the capacity to stop and go no. Hey, how about looking at reprogramming our negative interpretations? Stick with me for a sec. You've got a scenario, we've taken a week off work, you've only got one more week of annual leave for the whole year and you've just taken it off work and you've got a grand plan to chill out, hang with friends and do some fabulous things for the week. You're going to have lunches, you're going to, I don't know, read books, you're going to catch up with friends. Grand weekly plan. On day two, your child gets sick and they're home from school with the flu for the whole week. Yeah? It's very easy to go, oh my gosh, can't believe it. This is ridiculous. My last week of annual leave. Oh my gosh, what a complete waste. What am I going to do now? And I thought I was going to refresh. You know, I thought I was going to rejuvenate and go back to work fresh next week. Well, that's certainly not going to happen anymore. Or I can quite simply acknowledge the fact of the fact that, you know what, that wasn't the plan. That's not great. I'm not thrilled about that. However, it's a good opportunity to bond with my child one-on-one -on -one for a week. That's one example. There are many. And I want to share a few basic examples. And if your head says, oh, Susie, they're a bit basic, is that what you consider to be a storm of life? No. But sometimes we need to train ourselves in basic things to train the muscles in our head to actually get accustomed with thinking differently in the things that are easier to get accustomed to thinking more positively about so that when the big storms hit, we've got a bit of a pattern going on. We've got a bit of a culture going on inside our head that goes, oh, yeah, got this. And so how about, <clears throat> I'm so furious because my mobile phone broke this week and that is just so inconvenient and I don't know how people ever live without their mobile phone versus, you know what, I broke my phone this week and that is inconvenient but I'm going to head down to the Optus store on Tuesday and I'm going to get that sorted. How about this? I'm totally frustrated because my car has blown the head gasket, whatever that is. How am I going to get around? Who's free to collect me and take me places? Like, really? This is really bad timing. Versus, you know what? This is really inconvenient. But I've booked in to get the car sorted on Thursday. And so you see, what we do that really throws our resilience out of whack is that we major on the disaster and we minor on the solution. I want you to write this down. We need to get in the habit of specifying the positives and generalizing the negatives. Specifying the positives and generalizing the negatives. I've got a friend who comes to this church who's currently going through a cancer journey and he's undertaking chemotherapy. And she wrote to me last week and she said, hey, Susie, just wanted to give you an update. As you know, I had my chemo, my chemo session was scheduled this week. I turned up, they took my bloods and my white blood cells were too low and so my chemo's been postponed for a week. Not ideal. But you know what? I came home and I decided to bake some yummy things for my kids and they got home from school and they were really excited. And I read that and I'm like, really? <laughs> really? I mean, when you're going through cancer, every chemo treatment, if you've got a series of 12, man, you are hanging out for every single one of those so that you can tick it off your list because the sooner you're finished, the sooner you can head on the road to recovery, right? And I would imagine that that seven days is not quite seven days when life's going good. 
I'd imagine that that seven days probably feels like a month by the time the next seven days heads over. And I'm thinking, really? You're amazing. You're inspirational. You've got awesome thinking patterns because it would have been way easier to go, I'm beside myself a whole week. And what if, you know, I get there next week and they take my bloods again and they're still low? Then what? Far out. I wasn't expecting this to take forever. But no. She didn't say any of that. She specified the positives and generalized the negatives. She said to me, can you please pray for me, Susie, so that by the time I get there next week that my white blood cell count will have risen so that I can move on. End of story. End of story. But we go this, 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 a list of 50 million things. And then at the end we go, oh, but I'll be all right. Really? (laughs) How's our brain supposed to make us feel okay and release endorphins that make us feel okay when we've just told it 50 million things that are not happening well? And we've just finished with, oh, but I should be all right. And we go, come on, brain, kick in, give me some good feelings. How? How? So for fear of repeating myself, if you haven't written this down, specify the positives, generalize the, neg- generalize the negatives. <clears throat> because it's not being in denial to not go on and on and on and on about our problem. It's just actually functioning in the space of what's most helpful here. It's okay to put the facts out and go, this is not great. I'm not happy about this. This wasn't my plan. But to go on and on and on is what throws us and what prevents us from being emotionally resilient and strong people. So that's change it. The final um, thought up there, so sorry, the final thought up there on the screen prior just says keep reinforcing your new preferred thinking pattern. Work out what you want to think. Work out new pathways that you want to actually practice and embed in your head and begin to repeat those and repeat those. Finally, moving on, our last um, C that we're covering today is create, is create. And I'm going to show you a video in just a second. But um, to preface the video, your brain and my brain, neurologically speaking, has been created in a way by God where we can actually recreate our brain formation. Neuroplasticity refers to the neurological changes being made in the brain as the brain's way of changing itself to meet your needs. If we break up the word, neuro is brain, and plasticity is being easily shaped or moulded. And so our brain can be reshaped or moulded to think differently and hence make us feel differently and hence allow us to behave differently. And that's the week three and four message. And science tells us, I've seen it with my own eyes, slow motion, the brain under a microscope, the brain of an individual who is working to reprogram their thinking patterns, saying no to old thinking, putting in new thinking and going, I don't want to think like that anymore. I want to create a new pathway. I want to create a new default thinking pattern that behaves with strength and functions with resilience in the storms of life. And I've seen it. When you look at the human brain in this process, 
you can literally in slow motion see new nerves growing in our brain. And I want to show you a video in the moment that illustrates that in, in a fabulous way, very simple, but fabulous. And so you and I, with the practice of catching it, changing it, and then reinforcing it, can actually create new pathways. And in case any of you are wondering, I'm not scared of dogs anymore. And that's really simple. But I was really irrational. I've also had other fears in my life that I've been able to work for using processes and strategies like this, some that are completely deliberating. And so, turn your eyes to the screen and then we'll just finish up. Not so long ago, many scientists believed that the brain did not change after childhood, that it was hardwired and fixed by the time we became adults. But recent advances in only the last decade now tell us that this is simply not true. The brain can and does change throughout our lives. It is adaptable, like plastic. Hence, neuroscientists call this neuroplasticity. How does neuroplasticity work? If you think of your brain as a dynamic, connected power grid, there are billions of pathways or roads lighting up every time you think, feel or do something. Some of these roads are well-traveled. These are our habits, our established ways of thinking, feeling and doing. Every time we think in a certain way, practice a particular task or feel a specific emotion, we strengthen this road. It becomes easier for our brains to travel this pathway. Say we think about something differently, learn a new task or choose a different emotion. We start carving out a new road. If we keep traveling that road, our brains begin to use this pathway more and this new way of thinking, feeling or doing becomes second nature. The old pathway gets used less and less and weakens. This process of rewiring your brain by forming new connections and weakening old ones is neuroplasticity in action. The good news is that we all have the ability to learn and change by rewiring our brains. If you have ever changed a bad habit or thought about something differently, you have carved a new pathway in your brain and experienced neuroplasticity firsthand. With repeated and directed attention towards your desired change, you can rewire your brain. Fabulous. Do you actually know that neuroplasticity is a, is a process used for stroke victims to actually help people get body function in areas that have stopped functioning because that's how powerful our brain is. And so how do we actually do that? And on the next slide, we'll just uh, quickly work our way through. Choose a thinking pattern that you wish to develop. One simple idea, you and I can begin to develop gratitude habits, for example. You and I can begin to be those people who recognise the good things in situations, who can cast our eye over a situation and pick up all the good stuff. And then we need to be reminded when someone goes, hey, any constructive criticism? Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. You and I can actually be those people. You and I can have eyes that see like that if we develop gratitude habits. And it might sound very simple to say, if you stop five times a day, five times over, and just rattle off all the things that you're grateful for. You might say, I'm grateful for the fact that I'm healthy this week. I'm grateful for the fact that I have a job. I'm grateful for 
my children. I'm grateful for my friends. I'm grateful for the fact that I'm going away on a holiday. I'm grateful for whatever it might be. And that sounds so simple, but what it's actually doing, it is practicing and exercising that muscle, the gratitude muscle, to embed a new pathway, to create a new pathway, so that when a storm does hit, that muscle is so worked out that it doesn't, it's like going for a run without a warm-up, and then you go, oh, spasm. You see, when we're faced with a storm in life and we don't have a muscle that's, that, that's you know, active enough and, and proficient and, 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 and well-versed in actually seeing the positives, well, it just goes into spasm mode. And so simple things like developing gratitude habits, stopping five times a day and five times, five, time, five grateful things, five things I'm grateful for, five times a day and just repeating those things, just quick, 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 only take seconds you begin to develop a pathway that knows how to think and tick like that so that it can kick in when we really need it to. Make it a habit to stop and repeat your new thoughts five times a day, five times a day. Written versions are great too. I love writing on mirrors and windows at home. And for those of you who have been to our place, you know, you'll see that we've got lots of writing in lots of places. In fact, we have people over and we go, here, have a chalk pen. You can write too. <laughs> Because when we actually see things, it imprints an image into our brain so that we can actually embed that image even further. So it's not just about saying it, it is, but it's also about seeing it. And so look for any way possible to embed and reinforce more and more. Now this last one, quite interesting, connecting both brain hemispheres. Do you know, um, Neuroscience actually tells us that if we practice a new thinking pattern for 21 days, it ends up becoming a new default thinking pattern. So if I stop five times a day and repeat a new phrase or a new thinking pattern five times, five times a day, over the course of 21 days, I can actually build a new neural pathway. So that the next time I'm in that situation, I have a new default system and I go, oh my gosh, I've just shocked myself. I used to react in this way. Wow, I'm so impressed with myself. I didn't react in the way I used to, absolutely. Because you developed a new habit. You taught your brain to go down a new pathway. And so we're told that 21 days, five times over, five times a day. I had some people after the morning service say to me, so Susie, how do you actually like remember to even stop five times a day? And I said, you know what, just find practical ways of actually doing that. So maybe pull out a post-it note and just go, remember to reinforce your new thinking. Write that out five times over and put it in places where you are likely to see it five times a day. So maybe on the dashboard, because you know you'll be driving somewhere in the morning. Maybe on your lunch, because you know you'll have lunch at some point. Maybe in your wallet, because you know you're bound to buy something during the day. Maybe at the kettle at home, because you normally have a cup of tea before bedtime. And maybe by your bedside table, because you, know, you always look there before you go to bed. I don't know, but look for, maybe set an alarm on your phone. It's not that hard. Because to repeat one statement five times over is probably a grand total of 30 seconds, right? 30 seconds multiplied by five times over. I was never great at maths, but I know that that's two and a half minutes, right? It's not that long an investment, but it does require discipline. And finally, I want to close with this. A fabulous verse in Philippians 4, verse 8. Philippians is a, a book in the Bible in the New Testament, and it says this. It's our instructions, and it says this, whatever is true, actually, I might start from the end and then come back to the beginning. It's telling us what to think about, yeah? So it's going, now, this is what I want you to think about, right? Here's my list, and it says this, whatever is true, 
whatever is honourable and worthy of respect, whatever is right, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely, whatever brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, whatever is excellent, anything that is praiseworthy, and this is the key phrase, think continuously on these things. Think continuously on these things and centre your mind around them. Other translations say dwell on. That's just another word for just get fixated with. (laughs) Just like get obsessed with all these things. And so if we're to create new thinking patterns, we we need to get fixated. We need to get obsessed with thinking about the same old thing over and over again, the good stuff. But you see, if you and I have an encounter or a conflict with a friend, for example, we drive home from that and we've got a racing heartbeat and we're thinking, darn, I didn't think in time. I hate not being able to think on the spot. Now I've got all these good ideas for what I could have said in that situation. And I think about it for two hours and I rehearse it and I'm going on, I'm having dialogue in my head. But sadly, if you're anything like me, we forget to devote just as much attention to the helpful thoughts and get fixated on the helpful thoughts and go on and on and on about the good thoughts that create new pathways. And so I leave you with catch it, change it and create it. And I urge you to listen to this message again, take it seriously because without trying to sound cliche, this can change the way that we face life storms. It can change the way that we do life. It can change the way that we do relationships. It can change our mental health. It can change our well-being. It can change whether or not we actually believe and trust God or not. It can change a whole lot of stuff in our life for the better. And so come again next week because next week we're looking at great. So we've worked out how thinking works, but I want to come back and find out how I can then use that thinking And use that to my advantage so that I can begin to then feel differently as we unpack the issue of regulating our emotions, yeah? So for now, I encourage you to stand and uh, we'll just close with one final song.